0: Good morning. I'm reading to you from the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25 of the Common English Bible. That's page number 1170 in your pew Bibles. Please stand for the reading of the gospel as you're able. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ took place. When Mary, his mother, was engaged to Joseph, before they were married, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. Because he didn't want to humiliate her, he decided to call off their engagement quietly. As he was thinking about this, an angel from the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child she carries was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." Now all of this took place so that what the Lord had spoken through the prophet would be fulfilled. Look, a virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did just as the angel from God commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he didn't have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son. Joseph called him Jesus. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you to God. Please be seated and good morning. Good to see you all here as we anticipate uh, this Christmas week uh, coming up. And uh, did any? I, I was. I've been thinking, and we look at the text today. But I want to. Uh, it got me thinking about plans, right? How we make plans. Anybody make plans like the past two years? And did those plans ever change? By the way, did a lot of plans? I'm thinking about. Yeah, I see. Who had somebody? Who had a plan change within the past two years? Right, that would probably be most of us. Right, I remember um, my uh, we we were supposed to take our thirtieth anniversary trip, and we in twenty twenty, and so we're going to hopefully take it next year in twenty twenty two, two years later. We had a couple of our daughters get married uh, during the past uh, season of and. We had to change those plans, and actually we're going to have a wedding celebration next year, hopefully. We've had to change that several times. What about you all? What kind of plans have you had to adapt or change in the past couple years? Anybody got another example? Graduation, right? Graduation plans, it didn't happen. Anybody live in West Seattle, by the way? Did any plans for travel change? Yeah, right, leaving, like... Leaving West Seattle, the bridge, you know, the bridge that was planned to last 75 years has only lasted 30 years, right, about less than half its life. Uh, What what else, what other kind of plans changed? Working remotely, remotely, right, and you all actually did outdoor school for a while, so you made plans to have classes outdoors, and so all these things happened over this past year. So we, we use this word plans a lot, right? We, we plan to do things, We plan. it's good to plan ahead, uh, we make plans, we adjust plans, we even say we had the best laid plans, right? And we know that if you want to make God laugh, what do you do? You make plans. That'll make God laugh. God must be laughing right now as we're thinking about the plans. It's interesting because as we look at what happened to Joseph, we actually see that his life is disrupted a couple different ways. And in that disruption, he's making plans, right? That's what he's trying to do. The first disruption to his life is that his, his betrothed wife, Mary, is pregnant. He finds out she's pregnant. Now, uh, in that time period, betrothal was something different than maybe what we see today. This is, they would have had an arranged marriage, right? And so it's not, this is not a Hallmark Christmas movie here. They actually would have been arranged together. Joseph's family, Mary's family would have made an agreement, agreed on a bride price, and they would have had a legally binding uh, engagement or betrothal, which meant that they were husband and wife legally, even though they yet had yet to get married and, uh, and live together. So this is the period that Joseph's in. So he's uh, in this arranged marriage. He's in a marriage with Mary at this point in what's called betrothal. That means they have a legally binding contract, and so they're referred to as husband and wife. Now, the issue is, is that now, even though he and Mary haven't, aren't together, so to speak, they, he finds out that the woman that he is betrothed to, that he's legally bound to, is pregnant. And he knows, obviously, it's not him. So he's, it, the text says he's a righteous man. And so his righteousness is seen a little bit in the plans that he makes about how he's going to handle the situation. So one thing he does, he, so he begins making plans to dis- divorce her quietly. And so in these plans he's making, he's also, it shows how, that he's righteous. Because on the one hand, he wants to uphold the law, and he knows that adultery is sin, so he can't see his righteousness, can't allow him to marry a woman who's committed adultery. And so he's, his plan is to not marry her, right? That's part of his plan. The other part of his plan is, though, that his... This, this righteousness in him is also creating a merciful, he's being merciful, and he's saying, I don't want to bring her to public disgrace, I don't want to bring her to forward into the public eye and and potentially punishment for her sin, so I'm just going to do it quietly. He's being merciful, and there's this you can see Joseph trying to uphold the law of the day and at the same time be merciful to Mary. And that's really, a lot of times we don't think of righteousness that way. We think of righteousness as just being, being right or upholding the law. And we often forget that righteousness also includes being merciful and offering mercy and grace. Uh, and that's part of it as well. So he's got this righteous plan, right? Not to quote Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Um, that's a... Contemporary culture thing that might have gone over somebody's head, um, but anyway. Uh, sorry, I digress. Now, where was I? Oh, the second disruption. So, the second disruption that Joseph has is that God disrupts his plans. Right. So he makes all these plans, and then God says, uh, "Joseph, I've got another plan for you." And so, in a dream, God communicates through a messenger in a dream to Joseph which is a common way that God would communicate to somebody. In the, in the, uh, as you read through the Bible, people heard from God in a variety of different ways. Sometimes it was a, the appearance of a messenger, an angel. Sometimes it was a dream. Sometimes it was a vision given by God. Sometimes it was an audible voice. Sometimes it was an inaudible voice. Sometimes it was just a prompting of the Holy Spirit that led somebody or communicated God's plan to someone. And sometimes it's a, like Paul, it's a flashing light, you know, a bright light that they can't stand. And so the, all these different ways that God communicates. And one of the things about people like Mary and Joseph of that time is they were very open to how God would communicate to them, right? They, there were a variety of ways that they could hear from God. And so this is what's going on with Joseph. And so God says to Joseph, there's another plan here. There's another plan at work. Do you ever make plans. We often talk about making plans and adapting plans, especially these past couple years. But have you ever made a plan and then God says, no, that's not the plan. I want you to do something else. Have you ever really thought about God saying that to you or communicating that to you in some way? Take, for example, Jonah. In the Bible, there's a story of Jonah. Jonah made plans to get away from Nineveh. God said, no, you're going to Nineveh whether you like it or not. Or Esther, Queen Esther had, had had plans to stay quiet and not say anything to the king, but God said, no, my plan is for you to go speak to the king. You can read that story in the book in the Old Testament. Or think about Moses, if you know the story of Moses. Moses had plans to hide out in the desert for the rest of his life, and God says, no, I've got another plan for you, and that plan is to go and lead the Israelites out of slavery. So there's always these options, right, for us, just like Joseph, like there's My plan, what I'm planning, and then there's what God has for us. There's another plan that maybe God has at work. There's a great proverb, Proverbs 19:21 says this. This is the message version. Says we humans keep brainstorming options and plans, but God's purpose prevails. And the thing we learned from Joseph is that no matter how righteous our plan may be, God's purpose is what's prevailing. That God's purpose will prevail. So it's amazing how often we make all these plans and we often don't pause in the disruption of our lives to say, God, are you up to something else here? Or do I just need to figure out my own plan, right? So anybody uh, like to ride cycles? Uh, like Not the motorcycle kind, not the engine kind, the human-powered bicycle. Anybody ride human cycles? Like on the Burke-Gilman Trail or anything like that? Any cyclist here? Just checking, see if you... Yeah. All right. Good. Yeah. From the back row, the balcony. Good. Beth rides. Beth, if you know Beth, Beth rides here to church every day. Back. she rides everywhere. I've seen her riding into Ballard, Queen Anne, or she's all over the place. So she's a cyclist. So one of the things that I enjoy doing, I enjoy doing is mountain biking. So mountain biking is a little bit different than riding on the Burt Gilman. I actually think the Burt Gilman is more dangerous than mountain biking because all the people and cyclists and everything but when you're mountain biking on a trail, it's not this smooth paved trail in front of you. There's actually rocks and boulders and roots and turns and twists and it's narrow at times and trees and sometimes uh, different obstacles in the path. And so when you're mountain biking, you actually have to in kind of know what your plan is. You actually, to survive, you actually have to come up with a plan. And the, 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 when you hear mountain bikers talk, about taking a route down a mountain or up a mountain or wherever they're going, they'll talk about, well, what line are you, they'll say, what line are you going to take? Which means, what's the line of path or path you are going to take down the trail? And so sometimes your line, if you see a rock, for example, a big obstacle in the trail, your line could be to take you around the rock. Or the other line in mountain biking could be up and over the rock. So those are two lines you could choose or plan to take. And depending on which line you take on your mountain bike, If you're going around the rock, you're going to use your brakes, you're going to adjust your center of gravity over the bike as you go around the obstacle. And then if you're deciding, no, I'm going to take the line over the rock, that means you're going to pedal harder, you're not going to use your brakes, and you're going to get momentum to carry you over the obstacle and over the other side of the obstacle. So, whatever your plan is, you actually adjust to that line, right? You have to make, but this is all happening in your brain. Sometimes more rapidly than you want it to. And that's how people have accidents because they can't keep up with the planning, right? The, the mind, the reality overtakes the mind at some point and go, wait, that wasn't the plan. And then we go over the handlebars. All right, so, so Joseph, notice that Joseph had his plan. And what, out of the two lines that I just described, mountain biking, which line did Joseph take? The one around the obstacle or the one over the obstacle, or into the obstacle. He went around, right? He he was planning, I'm going to take the path of least resistance. I'm not going to face the obstacle. I'm actually going to plan my life around that obstacle that now has presented itself to us, to me, right? And so he's making plans, and then God says, no, I want you to go over the rock. I want you to change your plans. I want you to change the path of your life. I want you to change the line and the direction in which you are going. But what do we tend to do as humans? Which path do we want to take oftentimes? The easy path or the hard one with the obstacle in it? We want to take the easy one, right? I mean, we always are trying the line of path of least resistance, which is exactly what Joseph is trying to do. But notice that God's plan sometimes is, God has obstacles in it that we need to face, and it doesn't mean that they're not hard, but we then also have to adjust to how we handle that obstacle in our path, right? And that's what Joseph had to do. So Joseph, what does he do? He took Mary as his wife, and he took a lot of cold showers, and he went on with God's plan, right? He went in to that path, and that's called just listening to God, being, paying attention to God's plan, saying, no, I'm going to choose God's path and not my own path that's something we're all faced with right we all have these times in our lives where we have to decide which path to get on which path to stay on right and so there's a couple things going on there oh in this passage that gets communicated joseph about god's plan and really it's more about god's purpose as we read in proverbs so the first part of god's purpose is found in the name he gives two names there the, the message is jesus the first name is jesus Jesus is also another form of the name Joshua which means Yahweh is salvation. So Jesus God's purpose in Jesus is to offer salvation to humanity. So there's a greater purpose at work that God is inviting Joseph to be a part of. There's a Joseph gets to be a part of this purpose of salvation. Now salvation from sin means that we have to be honest and truthful about the brokenness in our own lives the flaws in our own lives and to not hide them or shove them down but to really realize and be aware of the truth of that right and to acknowledge it and say and that's a hard path right let's be honest that's a hard path to be on what's the easier path ignore it (laughs) avoid it right don't I don't want to know the truth about myself I don't want to know the brokenness of my life is there any way I can just avoid that pain can I avoid that obstacle can I get around it right but notice that God's path for us often is into it and that's where we find salvation is into the brokenness and into the flaws and into the failed plans and say hey God's there God's with us God will be with us and that's the second name right Emmanuel God's purpose to offer divine presence. That when we go into that plan that God has for us, God is saying, I am with you. Emmanuel, God with you. It may be hard, but God will be with you. God's presence will sustain you, strengthen you, encourage you in that obstacle, in that plan. Which is exactly what happened for Joseph and Mary. But I love this idea that God wants to be with us, in relationship with us. And no matter how broken, flawed, failed plans, planners we are, no matter what our lives are like, God wants to be with us in it. Whether our lives are perfect and great and wonderful or it's got some issues, i has got some, some places where I, I need God's help, right? It doesn't matter. God wants to be with us. Um, I was recently talking to a friend and she was sharing with me that her, her sister was going through a divorce. And uh, that she was really hurt, broken, because really when you think about divorce, we think about how this idea is that my, my dream of this marriage, is this relationship is falling apart, and so there's, it's a disruption to my plan, my life plan, right? That's what the person is experiencing, much like what Joseph was experiencing, and he actually was planning a divorce for Mary. So what her, she said she was doing, I thought this was a wonderful idea, She said, every Friday night, I go to my sister's house to have dinner with her, just to be with her, just to be present, just to listen to her, just to listen to her struggles, listen to her pain, listen to her broken, the brokenness about the loss and the dreams. And so I just go be with her. And I thought, that's, that's powerful. How often don't, when we are in those places in our lives, do we have people that will come alongside of us and be with us? And be in relationship with us despite the failed plans. And that's what we find God doing in Jesus. Jesus says, I'm going to be with you no matter what. I'm going to extend grace and forgiveness to you no matter what. That's what this table represents for communion today, right? Emmanuel, God with us. I was thinking about a story that I've told in the past about Christmas. It's a Christmas story. Um, it's kind of like a Hallmark movie, it could be a Hallmark movie actually, um, but uh, I was thinking, uh, there's a story of a pastor and his his wife, they get assigned to a church in a city uh, post-World War II, and so it's after the war, and they go to the city, and the church is, is an older church, and it's, the building's falling down, and it's got, it's in disrepair, and and uh, the week of Christmas, leading up to Christmas, they had a lot of heavy rains. So it could have been a Seattle church. We don't know. I don't know which city it was in. But they were heavy rains and the roof leaked. And they were, the wall behind the altar in the church was, was not brick like our wall. It was plaster. And all the water seeped into the plaster and the plaster crumbled and the plaster fell out of the wall and made a big hole in the wall behind the altar of the church, like right dead center in the church couple days before Christmas Eve and the pastors like what are we going to do I don't know how to repair this we don't have time to get somebody in here Christmas Eve is coming so they were trying to figure out they were trying to make plans for this disruption to their church right so the next day they were at a fundraising uh, auction where people donated items and people would auction them and they would raise money for the nonprofit and they're sitting at the auction and out comes a tablecloth from a different era like an antique tablecloth that was filled with gold and uh, ivory lace in it and it was very intricately looked like it was handmade and it was just this beautiful tablecloth that was somebody had made you know decades ago and they thought and the pastor thought oh that that's a good I got an idea so they they were the only one to bid on the tablecloth for got it for six dollars pastor took it back to the church and he hung it over the wall uh, on the wall over the hole to hide the hole. And this became the centerpiece for their Christmas Eve service. So it was the next day it was Christmas Eve, and the pastor was sitting in his office, and he's looking out the window, and he noticed every time he looks out the window, there's the same woman is sitting at, standing in the rain, and the cold, in the rain, at the bus stop waiting for the bus to come. And the bus is not coming, and it's taking a long time, and so he goes out, and he Back, he says, you can come sit inside, get warm, get dry, just sit here in the church and then, you know, pay attention. And when the bus comes, just run across the street and get the bus. So this, this woman comes into church. She sits down in the back pew and then she looks up at the altar and she looks up at the tablecloth and she walks forward up to and goes around the altar. And she goes and she feels the tablecloth with her hand. And she looks at it closely and she flips over the corner and there they are. And she says to the pastor, these are, this is, these are my initials. This is my tablecloth. These, this is the monogram of my tablecloth. My my husband had me had this handmade for me when we lived in Vienna, Austria. And this is our this is my monogram right here on the corner of the tablecloth. And so the pastor was like, Oh my goodness, that probably really is your tablecloth. And she said, This is this was a gift from my husband. And then she went on to tell the story of how. When the Nazis moved into Austria and Vienna, they fled the country. They had to flee the country. And when they fled the country, they shipped all their worldly goods across the border separately. And then they separated and went across the border at different locations to escape uh, the Nazis that were invading their area. So they, they escaped or she escaped. He did not. She learned after the fact that he was put into a concentration camp and later died in that concentration camp but she was so thrilled to see the tablecloth that reminded her of her relationship with her husband and that tablecloth that was being used in the church. So the pastor obviously offered to give it back to her and let her take it home and let the hole in the wall be there. But she said, no, no, this, you use it, you keep it. Um, this is just good for me to remember. And so uh, he, she shared her story with him and she went off uh, to the bus. I mean, you think about this, like, all right, you know, the plan was that the wall would stay intact, but it was disrupted into the plan, and here God is helping somebody in this replanning, and this repurposing. So Christmas Eve came, they had a beautiful candlelight service, the candlelight was flickering off the gold flecks in the tablecloth, everybody in the church was like, great, great creative idea, pastor, good job, hiding the hole, you know, some people didn't even know there was a hole there, they just thought it was a beautiful uh, service, and and as they're dismissing from the Christmas Eve service, a, little, a middle-aged man comes up to the pastor and he says to him, you know, that, that, that reminds me of the tablecloth my wife and I had when we lived in Vienna. And then at that moment, it dawned on the pastor that this was her husband. He had survived the concentration camp. He had made it to the United States. And so he, of course, got in touch, found a way to get in touch with her. On Christmas Day, they were reunited and brought back together. And I thought about that story. And I thought about how in this one moment, this pastor was thinking, oh, Christmas has been disrupted (laughs) because of this hole in the wall, this eyesore, the building is falling down around us. But yet, God's purpose has prevailed. And God's purpose was to use this disruption to bring about, to reunite this couple. I think about how God tore a hole in heaven, disrupted our world by sending Jesus to reunite us with God, to bring us back into relationship with God. That's a good disruption. Where it may not make sense to us in the moment why we're being disrupted, why these plans are going awry, But we need to pause and stop and ask, God, what what is your purpose here? What are you up to in the midst of our disrupted plans? Just like Joseph, just like Mary, just like the shepherds, we ask God, what's your purpose? And I'm thankful to God. I, I celebrate the gift of God this Christmas that brings us to this table today that reminds us of the gift of Jesus to us that God wants to be with us today. Let's pray together. God, we come to this table that reminds us of your great love for us, that you wanted to be with us, that you would tear a hole in heaven to come and be among us and walk with us, that you would be Emmanuel, and that you would be salvation in Jesus. And we come to this table today. it, it, It tells us a story of how, jesus took your path not his path in this life he chose to go to a cross and to give his life for us and to give himself so that we could be reunited with you and lord i pray for any of us to this morning that may be doubting your love for us that may be doubting that you care for us god would you speak into our lives today reminding us of your great love for us in jesus christ that as we come and as we receive communion would you pour out your holy spirit On us and pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts of bread and cup that they may truly be for us the body and blood of Jesus Christ, reminding us of your great presence and great love for each of us deeply. Lord, pour out your Spirit on us today, we pray. Thank you that you will forgive our flaws, our sins, our brokenness, and redeem us and restore us. And we also come today and we pray that the prayer that you have taught your followers to pray